From Connects Media, this is Atlanta Born and Brain. I'm your host, Jonathan Hilliard. From its inception, this show has been all about introducing you to the founders and creators that make this city special. We have walked you through their journeys from brand new startups to growing businesses to mainstays in the community. This season, we are expanding our focus. We will always be advocates for the little guys. But this year, we want to bring you stories from the whole spectrum of Atlanta culture. From one-person startups to thousand-member teams, there are organizations all around the city contributing to its success. And you're going to hear about them all right here on Atlanta Born and Brand. The global pandemic has left no organization unaffected. But we believe the signs are emerging for a bounce back of epic proportions in Atlanta. Today, we're sitting down with Kitty Murray, founder and CEO of Refuge Coffee Company. Refuge Coffee opened up in Clarkston, Georgia back in 2014. Clarkston is located just outside Atlanta and is well known for its diverse and vibrant refugee community. Refuge's goal is to provide employment, mentorship, job training, and a livable wage to refugees who have resettled in Georgia. Listen as we talk with Kitty about Refuge Coffee's inception, purpose, and how they hope to continue growing and empowering their community. Welcome into the studio. So excited to have Kitty Murray with us here on the show today from Refuge Coffee. And Kitty, welcome. Uh, First of all, thanks so much for being here. Something we like to ask folks um, when we first open up the conversation is if you bump into somebody on the street and they ask you, Kitty, what do you do? What is, uh, (laughs) what's your answer to that question? Oh gosh. I feel like in the last 10 or probably 20 years of my life, I've I've suffered from a lot of imposter syndrome, Hmm. so it's hard for me to say I am a, you know, but I often just say I lead a nonprofit, Hmm. like, and I, I don't run it because other people who run things very well now Hmm. do much, much, a lot of the running of it, but I I lead a nonprofit. Yeah. Tell tell me if they ask that same question about what is Refuge Coffee? How would you describe Oh, that's actually easier. So Refuge Coffee is a nonprofit. We are a job training program for resettled refugees and immigrants, Hmm. but it's a job training program housed in a coffee business. And the Mm -hmm. coffee business includes right now two coffee shops, um, coffee catering side Hmm. of that business. Um, and that's our main mission to do job training in the context of a coffee business a couple other missions that are like not in the forefront but they just come as a part of that is one is to with our refugee employees and and neighbors to um, create a safe welcoming Hmm. place for people to kind of bring worlds together and then third and i think we wouldn't. We didn't set out to call this a mission, but I think over time we've been able to do it, and it's a privilege. And that's just to tell a better refugee story to the rest of the world, like more accurate, more beautiful story, because sure. that's what we see. So that's great, and I love that you described yourself as the leader of a nonprofit and not the leader of 
a coffee business, even though that I mean, you are both of those things. Right, um, right. And, you know, outwardly, first impression uh, for a lot of folks may be of refuge that this is a coffee business. But do you see, um, you know, when you think of refuge as the first thought in your head, nonprofit um, sort of bent in that direction? You know what I see? And this, and this is going to sound kind of fluffy, but it really does um, a better job of describing us, and it incorporates both the coffee business hmm. and the nonprofit. I see us as a business of welcome. Hmm. So a friend asked about four years ago, and we've been around six, not quite six, you know, what is the business of Refuge Coffee? And, and you know, I was like, what do you mean? And, hmm. and he said, well, if, you, if you're just making coffee, then make great coffee. And, sure. and I think we do make great coffee. But, um, yeah, I, but, but he said, but what is your business? Like, what is if coffee went out of style, which I have a feeling it never will, <laughs> or the nonprofit thing you do, you know, no, it wasn't lo- no longer necessary in the way that you do it now. You know, what, what are you about? And I think what we're about is this idea of welcome. Mm-hmm. And this, the general idea is that everybody needs it and everybody has the capacity to do it. So it's, that's us. And, yeah. and it, even, as fluffy as it sounds, it has become kind of our grid. Like if we do sure. this in our business, is it going to be welcoming? If we do this in our, you know, training or our gathering of people, is it going to be welcoming? And if it's not, we don't do it. So, right. yeah, no, that makes sense. So we've had a few different nonprofits as we hear the, the patented Lilburn train that we yes, get. Yes, we have one. Typically one an episode. Yeah, yes. <laughs> that's good. We have one in Clarkston. That, Love it. Yeah. Love it. Yes. Um, we've had About the same several, distance away. That's too. right. Yeah. That's right. Wow. We've had several nonprofits on the show at this point, And something that I've kind of noticed as a pattern is most people don't graduate from college with the plan to lead a nonprofit. <laughs> that is something mm-hmm. that kind of comes through experience or the identifying of a need that uh, they're passionate about and they sort of stumble into it at first and then decide I'm dedicating my time and my efforts towards this uh, towards this cause. Tell me about your history and your story with Refuge. How did you first identify that need and, and what in your background sort of aimed you in that direction? Yeah, that's that's great. And I you used the word stumble and it is a perfect word. <laughs> like it almost feels like every part of it is accidental, you mm-hmm. know. Um, yeah, I so my background is that I studied literature and writing in college, you know, wanted to write the next great American novel, mm-hmm. you know, had those kind of ideas, but really as that creative part of myself, I didn't really know what that looked like. Um, didn't know how to make it happen either. Um, but then I also had a, I'm a Christian, and I had this heart to like, to love people like God loved me. You know, mm. I didn't know what that looked like at the time. I would have called it certain things because of the context I was in. Sure. Um, but then I also met my husband, the Bill Murray, not that other <laughs> Bill Murray. And Bill was heading into ministry as a, he was wanting to pastor churches. And mm-hmm. so we got married, went to seminary. Um, he started on that road and was on that road for a very long time. Mm-hmm. We had four children. 
he was in ministry, so I just needed to do side hustles to sort of make things work. Mm -hmm. Eventually, I began writing as part of that. So that kind of came full circle. Um, And so there's a little more of a story that maybe we can talk about in a minute. But we eventually ended up as empty nesters in what we call our last house that we um, bought in Clarkston on purpose because of the the diverse community. But I was a writer, Bill was working for a nonprofit ministry, and there's nothing in either of our backgrounds that would make you think, oh, they should start a business, (laughs) they should open a coffee shop, they should, you know, start a nonprofit, like none of that makes any sense. Although, as I look back, I, this idea of welcome, I think, is very, very much a part of who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I, so, you know, I'm a kind of a natural networker. I love to make people feel at home. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend said the other day, she said, well, I could see the seeds of refuge. You all had a small group in your house, and we would all pile in your house every week, and yeah. you would say, you would let us treat your house like it was our house, sure. you know, So, which is brings me a lot of joy. So that idea of gathering people, um, you know, just kind of made sense in that way. Hmm. Um, yeah, that ministry family DNA is kind of... Yeah, yeah I think so. I think yeah. so. And then, you know, just even how I grew up and um, just with parents who were super hospitable hmm. so and super generous. Um, so, yeah, I, it. but it does, like... Uh, the, here's the other thing that I'll just um, throw in there. I'm, I turned 65 this year. I was 57 when we started Refuge. Mm-hmm. I, did, I was totally comfortable with what I didn't know. Like, not, I didn't feel like I had to prove anything. Sure. Or I had to act like I knew things I didn't know. So I, it made me more curious and more, you know, willing to seek advice right. and counsel and help. Like desperately seek help and so I think that idea of gathering people who are smarter than me and better than me at a lot almost everything Hmm. was not as daunting as it might be for a younger person or it might have been for a younger me I'm sure Hmm. so yeah and I think I have a friend who says you know every organization should have people who write prose and people who write poetry (laughs) and I think I'm the poetry writer I'm the poet you know I don't I yeah, I love our operations. I love what we do. I, I, mm. I look at our budget. I know some of that stuff, but there are people who are so much better than me all mm. along the way who've made refuge happen. Yeah, so the 30,000-foot the, um, the view is what you love. Right. Yeah, yeah I really do. And yeah. I didn't know that. Sure. Like I'd read um, E-Myth. You know, and mm-hmm. I get that now. I yeah, I don't really want to bake the cakes. I want to build the business <laughs> that bakes the cakes. That's which, good. Bill, I can't even believe I said I want to build the business. But you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I want, and I, but I still do love the human connection. And so there, yeah. there's the tension because sometimes when you're running something or leading something, you don't have time right. for that. But yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I fully answered that question. But. You you led me down a path though. Oh, good. Let okay. Me, let me let me go. That was down my that evil path plan. You. <laughs> yes. Um, you talked about Clarkston. Yes. And you know, in the in the opening, you talked about kind of redefining people's views of of what a refugee is. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
painting a different picture. Mm-hmm. What was the, what is that picture that you see of that refugee mm-hmm. community, especially in Clarkston, that is so unique and different mm-hmm. than almost anywhere in the world? Um, what do you see when you see that community, and, and why did that? Uh, why were you so passionate about that? Well. You know, in theory, I cared about that community before we moved there. I, you know, Bill and I um, volunteered with World Relief, and we got to know one family a little, but, you know, we didn't live there, so it was even a challenge to get there and spend time and be a part of their lives. But but in theory, I cared about it um, because, you know, the Bible talks about widows, aliens, and orphans, (laughs) like those people— and so in, in theory, I understand that the people who have been, who've been um, exiled from their countries, who mm-hmm. don't want to leave, you know, the, the UNHCR's definition of a refugee is someone who has crossed an international border because they're fleeing armed conflict. So mm-hmm. they're being shot at, you know, mm-hmm. or worse, you know. And so the idea that um, God cares for those people, therefore we should. Hmm. It, you know, in theory made sense. And then we moved to Clarkston, and just a little few numbers about Clarkston. Um, there are 45 countries represented, hmm. 65 languages spoken. It's a 1.4 square mile space, so it's actually the most densely populated city in all of Georgia. Wow. And yet, when people hear me talk about Clarkston, sometimes they picture that it's just out there somewhere, and then they come to visit, and they're like, wait, this is a left turn off 285, well, depending on which way you mm-hmm. come from, and it's less than half a mile, and you're there. Sure. So it's accessible to a big urban city. Right. So all that to say, we moved to Clarkston, and all of a sudden, a crisis or an idea became people Hmm. and 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 so it's really hard to even characterize those people because they're all uniquely beautiful humans but they also speak beautiful language and have great cultures and they're all really different and have great their food is so wonderful and so I think one of the things that started to happen for me was oh this isn't just a bunch of sad people who've Mm -hmm. run who've had to run away this is a bunch of survivors who are learning how to thrive and why wouldn't we give them more opportunity and the the rhetoric that's out there about refugees is that they steal our jobs that they're you know they're they live off the government and nothing could be farther from the truth Hmm. um so yeah no that's good i think it's so easy for us as people from miles away looking at a situation um, to be judgmental mm-hmm. or to jump to conclusions, that's a lot harder when you're neighbors. Uh, yes. And these people, like you said, have names, uh, not just refugee. And <laughs> families. Know? Yes. And, well, yes. and I think it's easy to not just judge but to be afraid. Sure. And sure. what it looks like to me is kind of a fear that you're going to take something away from me that's hmm. my right. And I'm like, but don't we all have that right? So... Sure. Yeah, the things that we think. And, you know, my husband used to say to our boys when they would play sports, there's enough glory to go around. Mm. You know, like, it's don't good, be a word. hot dog, you know, because you don't have <laughs> yes. to be. There's enough for you, but also for everybody right. else. And I think 
that's the beauty of this idea of welcome. There's enough of it for everybody. Like it doesn't sure. have to be hoarded, but we kind of our language makes it sound like we think we should hoard it. Right. So how do you take that passion for that specific group of people and decide uh, coffee business? <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> no, I, I can tell you how it started for me. So, um, yeah, I've been describing it this way, and I have to do a little check every once in a while and think, is this actually what was happening? And it really was. So we moved to Clarkston. Um, my husband wisely said there are lots of nonprofit profits and churches here but let's don't jump on board with any of them let's just be for a while which I kind of miss that little season when we didn't have stuff to do other than our jobs and our family and which is a lot but so we just got to know our neighbors and so eventually I had kind of a three conversations in my head. The first was really selfish. It was, I want a coffee shop nearby because I do love coffee. <laughs> sure. And I love the, I mean, Starbucks really reinvented it. It's older than Starbucks. It's older than the United States. But this idea of a third environment, you know, where mm-hmm. people can hang out. Yep. Um, I think it was the 500s, you know, in, yeah. in Yemen. So, I mean, coffee goes way back. And coffee shops go way back. But... Um, I just wanted a place like that in Clarkston. Then the second thing that I began to think was, I'm in love with my neighbors. Like people need to know my neighbors, (laughs) and and that's that that's just the the um, the moral code of an of a networker. I think it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, if I meet someone that I find is fascinating, I want the other fascinating people. Yeah, yeah, and I want other people to know them. I want to connect them. It doesn't mean that, oh, come and observe. No, come and connect. So there's that. And then the third thing, and this is um, interesting, but, you know, Bill and I were in groups that would pray together, and the thing we always heard was, we need more jobs. Like Mm -hmm. in the big picture prayer stuff, it was like the jobs that are available to our refugee neighbors are fewer than in most places, and not great jobs and we always reference the chicken processing plants which are not all evil and horrible jobs Mm -hmm. but they're an hour and a half away they're in conditions that don't allow people to learn English and you know if you're a young dad and you have a family with five kids and you need to learn this new culture you're not going (laughs) to learn it if you spend three hours commuting and so one of the things that just kind of became a pain point was, well, how could we provide a few more jobs? And then, well, wait, if we're going to provide jobs also, shouldn't, because we saw this happen, you know, people would get jobs, but they would be just thrown into settings sure. with no preparation. And it wasn't that the refugee was not intelligent, didn't have a great a desire to learn, but it was just there was no preparation. So, set up for failure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how can we provide jobs but set our refugee neighbors up for success in better jobs yeah. later? So those three things, all of a sudden I started thinking, well, wouldn't it be cool if we could have a coffee shop in Clarkston and the whole world could come here? I could just see it, and then we could do job training and we could hire our mm-hmm. neighbors to, you know. And I said it to one person like for six months I think and that was my husband over and over again Mm -hmm. I would just say it and then I started saying it to a few people 
and it was all our like young hipster friends, you know, <laughs> and I kept thinking one of them will do this. Like, it's a good idea. Don't you think, you know, and, yeah. and they all would say, yeah, it's a great idea. But mm. at there, and there's some tipping point moments that could be worth sharing at some point. But, um, finally my husband said, you know, you keep having these conversations cause I continued, to, I started having that ratcheted up and he goes, maybe you should take ownership of this not like you should do it all by yourself Mm. but you should take ownership to see that it happens and and that was a big turning point for me Hmm. yeah so he says that yes you doing that is a different story absolutely yes so you, you talked about tipping points but was there a tipping point after that conversation that you decided yes I'm going to do that and maybe I need to seek out the types of people who can help me do oh that. yes yes yeah. and I was already unwittingly kind of seeking out people anyway sure. Sure. and and I've often say this to people who want to start something especially a nonprofit or a social impact thing mm-hmm. if you're not already doing something microcosmically that looks like this I would question whether you're going to be able to do it like really and we were we were gathering people Mm. for coffee and we did a couple of um of um block parties and we eventually did coffee at these like pour overs over propane burners just to Mm. kind of test the idea and to see who would show up and you Mm. know see if it looked like it could go the direction we wanted it to go um that makes it sound way more intentional than it was. But it, as I look back, it was important, you know. Sure. So, um, yeah, there were, I mean, there were some moments where I just had kind of that heart, like, this has to happen. I have a friend named Amina from Somalia, and Amina, her husband and all 10 of her kids were murdered right in front of her. Mm-hmm. And she um, has an incredible story and is quite the networker herself and entrepreneur herself, although she's mm. 93 now. But mm. she, mm. I took her to Dancing Goats Coffee Indicator. Yeah. And she sat there and she goes, you know, we'll never have anything like this in Clarkston. And I, the, the idea had been, uh, it's so easy to say, brewing, percolating, mm. whatever. But I, mm. I like, she, I always tell people she speaks nine languages and victim is not one of those so she wasn't whining about it she was just making an observation that you know you americans and 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 she wasn't even i hate to say it like that because she loves americans she is an american citizen Mm. but um you know people will do this create this kind of environment for for themselves Mm. but refugees kind of don't you know, they're off the radar. Right. And so that was the moment where I thought, you know, this has to be done. And then I had a friend who is way smarter than me and much more of a real business person. And she said, are you sure God wants you to do this? Like, because it's going to be harder than you think. And she was right. It was. It was good hard. Like, it was yeah. fun and crazy hard, but it was hard. And then are you... Um, it's also probably going to get bigger than you think. Mm. Like that was her assessment, which was encouraging, but also a little scary. Sure. So I actually went away and had some time alone. And one of the things I did in that time alone with God was read um, the scripture and just look up places where it talks about refuge. And Mm. most of the passages talk about God as a refuge. And so, and then also talk about us offering refuge. And 
So it just became kind of a no-brainer. Like, oh, this is just what we're supposed to do for each other. Sure. Like, and the way I want to do it is with coffee. So Yeah. No, that moment with Amina is powerful when, as a person who is so far removed from the situation that she's in, you hear just this lack of hope that that could happen. It's almost like, you know, you hear the phrase, uh, people reading their own press clippings, but in reverse, you know, kind yeah. of believing the, the, um, you know, the misnomers that we were talking about, yeah. about the community, about yourself and thinking right. to yourself, this won't, this won't happen for us. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I can imagine that was super impactful for you in that way. It was. Yeah. And, and I always tell her that she's the co-founder of Refuge, mm. like, cause her, her, you know, she kind of pulled back some of the curtain to what you know and and would take me to like restaurants in town in, yeah. in Clarkston that where I could get we got coffee like there were places that you could <laughs> get coffee just not coffee shops sure um yeah yeah so this is going to be a challenging question because I'm asking you to summarize eight years and in, in the answer of one question but talk about the journey so far <laughs> from beginning what have you learned since that ideation phase kind of wrapped up and began into, you know, launching something real to now eight mm-hmm. years later, like you said, there's, you know, you've got two shops, you've got mm-hmm. the the trucks that are sort of going around and, and spreading this message mm-hmm. um, and, mm-hmm. and making very clear your staff um, is a reflection of, of your mission, uh, oh. without a doubt. One look at your website yeah. is, is uh, a testament to that. So yeah, what have you, what have you learned and, and where where have you been surprised well you know and this is um i I just this is what bubbles up people are generous they're patient they're forgiving they're kind and they're so smart (laughs) like and i mean so many people obviously there are people that are mean and not generous and all those things too (laughs) out there but the people that I get to work with every day are some of the most brilliant, hardworking, creative um, people. And so we get to tag team when we get tired, which is, I mean, I'm way older than all of them, so I probably don't tell them, but I think I get more tired than (laughs) I do. But but it's, you know, we, we, and, and life is hard and there are moments crisis moments especially a lot of them this last year Hmm. um where we need each other's back to have each other's backs also i think um yeah this this idea of welcome has become more crystallized for me and actually what we do there's a lot of complexity we you know we're a nonprofit, so we have to deal with the irs and we have we own property. We have to deal with right. that. We have we do job training. We have to, you know, we you know sure. a lot of what we do is, uh, it's way beyond me. But we get it done. <laughs> but I think this idea of of um, being welcoming to others and receiving welcome from them, like creating a more welcoming world, is actually pretty simple. Sure. And I do think like we're quick example. We're um, we're the corporate sponsors for a semi-pro men's soccer team now, which hmm. is so fun. They came to us. The team is called yeah. FC Matata. One of them works for us now, but even before we hired him, yeah. they came to us. And my husband and I went to a game Sunday, and it was so fun. 
And and they're so good. They won four nil, and it was just great. But look at you with I, the soccer lingo, four oh, nil. Love I got it. it. We, yes. we yeah, we were at the pitch. Yeah, we're at the pitch. But, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but so this is what our, all of our boys played. We yeah. love it. We love Atlanta United. We all follow the the British Premier sure. Premier League. We just love it. And I was like, you know, the only thing I'm doing is what I already love to mm. do. I'm just doing it in a broader context than my tiny little world where everybody looks like me, believes yeah. like me, sounds like me, makes the income I make. You know what I mean? Mm. Like all, I feel like we get in these little bubbles. I think the church is really good at putting us in little bubbles sure. or we choose sure. to be in those. I don't think the church does that, but, but it is so easy to, um, view the world through the lens of the bubble hmm. and then we don't see correctly and so <laughs> so true. you know yeah. but I, but the simple thing is you know find some ways to do the things you already like to do because you're going to do them right. with a lot of heart and better than most other things and I mean that I felt so honored to be able to be there at this game yeah I mean because they're amazing soccer players but um I think that thing of the simple acts are actually more powerful than we think they are Hmm. and we make it too hard sometimes sure yeah i like that concept of do what you're already doing maybe take one step further yeah um or one step away from your bubble yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. that's good that's good so to wrap up i want i want to ask you kind of a two-part question one for for practicality purposes so this is a show about folks who have built brands you know you talked about this idea of creating welcome that i mean that has become your brand right how have you gone about sharing that message with you know folks outside of clarkson as you guys sort of uh, expand outside of that 1.4 1.9 mile radius that you said um and then what do you see that looking like moving forward what are your your hopes and dreams for what refuge could be oh fun you know I, we used to have somebody on our staff who was from canada and i would <laughs> always use the def, the the idea of curling like you know the little brooms just like yeah. doing this you know <laughs> i feel like you do that by that's more of a culture question you know <laughs> and you really work at your culture so here's an example I mean, we have a culture that's mostly fun, mm-hmm. but COVID and a lot of growth has has moved us a little away from being quite so much fun. We're all business, you know, mm-hmm. and not totally because everybody just is, we just have people who are upbeat in how they do life. Sure. But um, so I met with our staff and with our um, trainees, two separate things today. And just said, hey, I'm going to be kind of the heavy and tell you that we're going to have some fun. Like, mm-hmm. this is what we're going to do. So I think, and that's that was a collaboration between me and some of our other leaders. But I think you have to, like, just pay attention and mm-hmm. kind of, and that's an internal thing. But yeah. if we're not internally doing that, we're not going to show everybody. So I sure. think the whole, I mean, it's a discussion all the time. Somebody did some photographs and we're like, these are beautiful photographs. They're not welcoming photographs. We don't look like welcoming people in Mm. these photographs. So we didn't use them, you know, just, so I think you do it in your, like you talk about brands and branding, but your brand is, is all the things. It's like how you do your business. It's how you do your internal stuff. It's how you, um, talk about things on social media. Like 
I don't do our social media anymore, but I did the first mm-hmm. four years almost. And, um, and I used to, then I told the next person like, don't write, don't write it as if we're the hero. Like, don't make us the hero. So you have to work on that, though, because yeah. it kind of comes across that way. So that's sure. that's that answer to the first one. I think it's just a constant kind of vigilance, like yeah. not, but not. It's a little like parenting, you know. It's an art, not a science, <laughs> right? Amen to that. I know, yeah. And you're, and sometimes you just know, yeah. right? You just know. Sure. Oh, we gotta we gotta correct something here. It's constant course correction. <laughs> And not beating yourself up. Like we were talking about this fun idea on Monday or Tuesday. And and I was like, wait a minute, COVID. Can't we remember that there's a reason for some mm. of this that is outside of us? Like we're, we're mad at ourselves. Sure. But yeah. Sure. So I think that's the, the course correction and the, the, yeah. And then when you invite people to be a part of it, to at the beginning tell them this is who we are. Hmm. And one of the reasons we hired you is because we saw that you're this too. Sure. Like you're a welcomer sure. too. So I think that's part of it. Um, what was the second question? Yeah. Oh, I what's think, next? Where, where, what's next? Where oh, do you gosh, see this so going? much. So much is <laughs> next. Um, you know, we've grown. Thankfully, somehow we were able to not only stay alive last year, but, mm. you know, to keep everybody on the payroll, but to get to be set up for growth. Mm. Um, we have... I'm not going to talk about this in the particulars yet, but we have talks with another location mm. that seems to really fit us. Like we, sure. you know, we're not going to, not everywhere in Atlanta would be a good fit for us, but there are places yeah. that would be good fits. Um, we are in talks um, with being in a downtown location that would give us um, one of the, I don't know if I'm allowed to share this yet, but it, it's like a venue, you know, yeah, where yeah. where people from outside of Atlanta would be sure. in and out a lot. Yeah. That's That looks like it's going to happen. And then yeah. this is absolutely going to happen. We, um, we eventually have just grown to the point where it makes total sense for us to roast our own coffee. Hmm. So we'll, that'll add another layer of training, Absolutely. but it'll cut our supply chain costs by right. a lot. Right. It just feels like the right stewardship. So we're on that path right now. We're ready, we're just about to launch a fundraiser. Hmm. We've hired someone who's going to get started, get us started strategically. Yeah. And what that'll do is enable us to be um, – gosh, it's a boring business reason, but right now we're limited in how much like whole bean coffee we can sell because we don't yeah. roast it by the IRS because of it's not part of our... Interesting. I know, yeah. it's it's unrelated business income. It's a thing. Hmm. But um, we can do it, but it's we just have to watch it all the time and we're limited. So, But if we roast it and we include that, that as it our... It yeah. unlocks it. So that's kind of the next... I feel like that'll give us the ability to be a brand beyond Atlanta. Sure. Yeah. Sure. No, I, I love that giving the experience and the message in Atlanta to folks that are here from outside and watching that sort of, you know, sow fun? some seeds in, in some mm-hmm. different directions for you. That's great. So that's well, like this year. Those are this year. Things. This we year. have a five year <laughs> yeah. thing that yeah, I'm yeah. not even going to talk about. But yeah. No, that's great. So fun. That's great. Well, I do want to give the opportunity before we wrap up to tell folks how they can learn more about Refuge and where they can find you. Oh, thank you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, our website is simple. It's refugecoffeeco.com, or you could do refuge.coffee. That works as well. Oh, um, there's, 
you know, when you're new to the website, there's a way to sign up for updates. We don't send those more than once a week unless something big's happening and we need to send updates. So, and, but those are often just a little caveat. I, you know, one of the things I love to do is tell stories, but that's one of the places where I kind of process what's going on in the world. But it's also where we talk about what we do. Um, those emails are worth getting, I think. Hmm. Um, we're on social media, mostly Instagram and Facebook. We're hmm. on Twitter, but we don't really get on Twitter very much. <laughs> Our, it's just it's a common theme, I think. Yeah, 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 you you have to choose. So all of those, it's at Refuge Coffee Co. Great. So, well, Katie, thanks. this has been a pleasure. Thanks for sharing. And if there's anything we can do to help out, please let us know. Well, thanks. Helping us tell the story to some other people is great i'm really well you're you're a natural born storyteller so Uh, it's always a pleasure (laughs) to to be in the room with one of those so take care and we'll talk soon thank you visit refuge coffee co at their clarkston or sweet auburn locations atlanta born and brand is a production of connects media Make sure and follow the show on social media at ATL Born on Instagram and like our Atlanta Born and Brand Facebook page. This season, we have launched a brand new video series to coincide with our ATL Bounce Back theme. Subscribe to the Atlanta Born and Brand YouTube channel for that content and more. Lastly, if you love the show, please spread the word. Share it with your friends and leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Your support helps make sure that more and more people hear the stories of all those folks doing great things all over the city. For Atlanta Born and Brand and Connects Media, I'm Jonathan Hilliard. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you all soon.